Right, just uh, getting this button out of the way. Got it, right. Hey, good morning, everyone. Good evening. It always depends on where you are in the world. Uh, today is a big day because we actually starting to reach the end of module three, which is an absolute monster, but a monster in a very good way because it's taken us quite some time to get around this wheel. And so today we're talking about packaging your office. And I just want to quickly touch on specifically what we're going to look at. We're going to look at branding, really, and specifically walking in your customer's footsteps in making your brand decisions, the brand conversation, how to make use of a packaging menu, which is a practical tool that you can use, choosing your brand keywords as well as brand consistency. So in order for you to be very clear on where you are in the process, I just want to bring up this wheel in front of you again. So we have been through the high-end offer design process in nine steps so far. Now there's 12 steps and the high-end offer design process is meant in order for you to put a blueprint together that helps you communicate your products and services and value propositions to your clients. For those of you who's been with me on this journey all the way up until this step 10, uh, would now by now know the value of the blueprint and why it's important that we have one. And if you haven't been on that journey with me up until this point, I would highly, highly recommend that you go back to first lesson in module number three and go and listen through all these lessons and get perspective. The blueprint that comes out of this offer design process is one image that helps your clients understand what you have to offer, but it also exponentially up the, 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 uh, the charges and the prices that people charge for their offers and give a lot of clarity. And that really is the buzzword these days, is to have clarity. What a wonderful feeling if the fog clears and things are clear to you. Now, many times we're not clear about our value proposition and our products and services. And can you imagine what our clients feel like if we're not clear? You know, many times we expect people to be inside our minds and understand exactly what we're trying to explain to them or communicate to them or in your case, case maybe teach them but if you don't have clarity on it you know the chances of them getting clarity on it is really going down exponentially so if this is something that really resonates with you and you go can I just have more clarity you want to go back to the first lesson in module three and listen through all of them until we get to this point so for your clarity purposes Today, we're talking about packaging. So we are assuming at this stage of the process, you already have a blueprint. Remember, you went through step one, uh, where you decided what is, what is it that you want to actually do every day. We spoke about that so that we know whatever you're going to create in future has got your preferences in there. Too many people build businesses and products and services without their preference in there. Then we went through step two to decide, you know, who's your client? And then what's their problem? You came up with your essence, which is what makes you unique in your offerings. You came up with a solution for your clients. You went through a strategic process to decide there in step six, which of your products and services is going to be your baseline, your grand slam, or your stretch on your grand slam. Then you designed a blueprint to represent all that. Then you finally decided on your services and your products. And now you basically have this blueprint ready and you have to talk about brand. You're having this brand thing in your head. And this for me many times uh, is where uh, brand experts 
and graphic designers go wrong. You would go and see them to talk about your brand and about your packaging. And you would talk to them about your website and they'll say things to you. Oh, you know what? Your website should be orange because this is the color of the moment. Uh, this hex code has won the award this year. And so you should have orange color and all that type of counsel, which is of no use in terms of what you actually want to achieve with the brand. Because what you want to achieve with your brand, you want to you want to attract a certain audience. So when you look at packaging there, number 10, you can already use this as a basic assessment here before we even go into today's lesson um, by looking at that number one to nine. Uh, you can ask yourself, you know, when I'm going to package my business and my products and services and brand, am I packaging it for a premium market? Am I packing it for CEOs or celebrities? Am I packaging something that's eco-friendly or environmental friendly? Am I packaging my business or brand um, and my products and services to appeal to a high tech audience? Am I going to use a lot of online when I'm packaging my business or will I have substance? In other words, there will be offline products that need to be packaged as well. Will it be very personable? Will it rather lean more towards professional? Will it be software based? Am I attracting a global audience? Am I attracting a creative audience? Am I attracting a corporate audience? Can you see how we're not even asking ourselves these questions when we go and we speak to a brand person or we're asking ourselves what the brands of our products and services would look like? No longer are we in the times where we go, oh, you know, I like blue. Blue is my favorite color and uh, I like green. So that's what my brand's going to be like. But in the meantime, no strategic thought has gone into that. And more importantly, you're not considering your audience and what you want to do with your brand. When you attract an audience, you want them to understand a few things uh, very, very well. And that's what we're going to go through when we actually touch on today's packaging lesson, lesson number 10. So if this has been the topic that kept you awake at night, my brand, 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 this lesson is for you. And many of you may have the question, but what about my personal brand? What about my professional brand? These days with the transparency and social media, it really is becoming one. Uh, of course, you can build uh, still a professional brand and um, with the idea to later extract yourself from that. But for the position that many of you are in is listening to the podcast, uh, you want to consider at the beginning um, having a personal and prof professional brand, both under one corporate identity, one corporate identity with the idea that eventually, if you want to scale your business, you'll be able to extract yourself. So let's get going. So just a quick uh, red line there under the packaging word there so you can see where we are in the process. Okay, so the first thing to do before you make a final decision on your brand is to really go and walk in your customer's footprints. Now, I've said this before, and I want to say it again to you as a refresher, but if you are a person who's sitting on this call today and you feel deep in your heart that you have an incredible product, you have incredible services, uh, you've developed a blueprint that is rock solid and really cool and that you're super proud of, but you're not reaching people. People are not wowing around you. People are not popping around you. People are not going, you know, I want this. It's, it's almost like a, a little bit of a fish pond, you know. Imagine you had the exact right fish food hanging over a fish pond, those fishes will be jumping out of the water and their lips will go like this. Have you ever fed koi fish in a koi pond and see what it looks like when you come with your nice bready or corn or, you know, 
fish food. Forgive me if I don't know what you're supposed to feed them. I don't want to kill anyone's fishes, but having the exact right food for your koi, they're all going to swim to you. There where you're standing at the fish pond, and their lips is going to go like, they want that food. Now, if that is not happening with you, your brand is not sending the right message to your audience. So if you're feeling this is your case, it's not a train smash. And the reason why it's not a train smash is because there's not necessarily a problem with your confidence. There's not necessarily a problem with your competence. There's not necessarily a problem with your products and services. And I'm ruling these things out so that we can get logic in your mind. But there is potentially a problem with you understanding who your customer is because you've not walked with them for a while. So see it like a pilgrimage, you know. Uh, you maybe want to go on a pilgrimage with your customers in order to really get into their heads and understand. So you want to walk a mile with them. You want to walk the distance with them and get to know them better. Now, a way for you to do that is to go and interview 100 people in your target market. Um, this is probably the difference between an entrepreneur that's good and an entrepreneur that's excellent. And if you motivated to be excellent, you probably wouldn't look at 100 interviews as you know, I don't have time, I don't have energy, I don't feel like it, you probably will just go ahead and do it, work your way through it, and the intelligence that will come out of that will be a phenomenal gift that you give to yourself. So let's look at what it means to walk in your customer's footprints. I have a few things here for you. The first thing you want to do is you want to learn to see what they see on a daily basis. Now, this is actually very visual and very practical. If I was in your target market, look, this is what I look at on a daily basis a lot, right? I'm looking at boards that tells us when is our next train, when is our next plane, when is our next cruise ship leaving the docks. Now, it sounds like the craziest thing to say, but this is literally what's in front of my eyes all the time. So unless people know this about me or unless people know me and know the type of ideal buyer I am, and in this case, I'm using me as a traveler. If you know that you're targeting travelers, then you would know that a traveler looks at this a lot and travelers sort of pay attention to this a lot. So you want to start understanding what they see so that you can either use the same images in your brand messages to make them feel they home, they have arrived at a place that understand them, or at least make them feel that you really, really get their universe. You really see what they see. Now, you may think of your ideal client now and go, how would I even know or begin to know what they see every day. If you have no idea, it means your target market is still not niche enough. And I want to give you an example. Let's say your target market is um, males over the age of 50. Where do you even start, you know, to see what they see? Can you see how not niching and making those choices make life very difficult for you in terms of understanding your niche? And if you don't understand them, it's difficult to choose a brand for them. Whereas if you knew that your target market was males over 50 who has a value of fitness and is heavily into health, you probably can assume that what they see on a daily basis is the inside of a gym. You see how very clear it becomes when you're willing to go and define this target market. And it's not always easy to do this if it's a thumb suck exercise. That's why the 100 interview model is a very powerful one because then you can ask them. And then you may, after those interviews, go, look, I interviewed 100 people, but actually only 20 of them is in my target market. And then you increase your research. So number one, learn to see what they see. Number two, learn to browse what they browse. So again, 
if you are dealing with a traveler, because this is the example we've been using here, a traveler that's th thirsty and uh, couldn't find a glass and is now drinking out of something that looks sort of like a carafe that you put wine in and is doing the job. So, um, so let's use the traveler. So I see a lot of traveling balls on a daily basis, but what do I browse on a daily basis? A traveler may be browsing things on a daily basis on YouTube, like, you know, best top things to see in Amsterdam or top things to see in uh, the Netherlands or top things to see in uh, Stockholm or best places to visit in Iceland or the historic history of Greece. And so knowing that that is what your target audience do, guess where you're going to advertise guess which channels you need to be on that's why the social media question that we sometimes get are so loaded hi guys what social media do you think we should be on these days very loaded question if you know you're dealing with a traveler and you've interviewed them and you know they're all on youtube you have to be on youtube you have to advertise on youtube you have to deliver content on youtube because that's where you're going to reach them some of the travelers are not on youtube some of the travelers are on an app some of them are on um, uh, travel start. Some of them are on booking.com. Uh, this is really, really important information. And you can't even call this information. This is intelligence because it helps you like a spy to sort of worm your way into uh, what people browse and, and where, especially on which platforms they browse it. So first, you're going to commit to see what your clients see, browse what they browse. Second, thirdly, Learn to smell what they smell because now you really start to emerge into the five senses. And the good news is we're in the digital era. And most people we're speaking to at the moment in our community are so sick of the digital era. And the reason for that is, yes, it gives us a lot of technology. It gives us a lot of tools. It solves a lot of problems that we're grateful for. I mean, here I am connecting with quite a lot of you around the world today by using a Zoom call. But the downside to that is it's not engaging and turning our five senses on. And that's what's making people sick of it. And that's what's making people tired of digital because we are human beings and human beings have been gifted with five senses. And so if those five senses are not engaged with, then we get tired, then we get lethargic, then we get demotivated. That's why people say to you, go to nature, because when you go into nature, those five senses of yours literally start doing that. They come awake. They go, mm, I can smell grass and I can hear birds and I can see trees. And so nature is so loaded in terms of activating your senses that you can do the same with your clients if you understand their five senses. And one of the strongest senses on this planet is smell. So if you can ask your clients, what is it that you like to drink? What is it that you like to eat? Then you will have incredible, valuable information about it. Are you dealing with mostly coffee drinkers? Are you in a community that's like totally against caffeine and they're all tea drinkers? Are you maybe dealing with a Japanese culture that has a whole tea making ceremony that you want to know about before you go and sell to them? Are you maybe dealing with people who's more fitness orientated and they're all drinking smoothies? These are really important conversation starters for you, but it also proves to clients out there who's looking at thousands and millions of brands that you actually do understand them.
And what blows me away about this whole smell thing is once you start really honing into your clients and getting them, you will find incredible common denominators. We have Circle of Excellence clients who have found that 80% of their clients drive a Mercedes-Benz. How would you have ever thought that 80% of your clients drive a Mercedes-Benz? We have clients that have clients that have found out that 90% of the clients they deal with drink coffee. Is it because they are more A-type driven people? Perhaps. Is it because they subscribe more to a certain diet? Perhaps. But that is the information and intelligence. If you want to find out, no graphic designer or brand expert can necessarily give you that, that unless you are willing to take this knowledge, this wisdom that I'm sharing with you and go out there and explore and research for yourself. Then, of course, you want to go where your clients go. If you are targeting travelers, as the example I've used, you want to go and sit at airports. You want to go and sit at train stations. You want to go and sit on cruises. And you want to ask yourself, what is mostly the challenges they experience? Because when you do that, you're going to go, oh, my goodness, I'm constantly marketing to these people at times that is not conducive for a traveler or a marketing to people who always have a problem with logging onto the internet. So how can I overcome these problems if I know that they are actually experiencing them? But uh, if you're not aware of it, you can't do anything about it. Maybe you are marketing to a type of person who has an eight to five job. Marketing to people who have an eight to five job has massive advantages. Having constant Wi-Fi is one of those advantages. So if you're dealing with a corporate environment, you are definitely having robust Wi-Fi environments. Whereas if you're dealing with a traveler, you can have a problem and you can have to do much more research in terms of what is the best way to reach them. Do I necessarily reach them via a Facebook notification? Probably not because their Wi-Fi is unstable. Whereas if I send them direct WhatsApp messages, because of a list they subscribe to, my chances of reaching them is much better because it goes straight into their mobile phone. And then, of course, you have to do what they do, you know. Find out what are they actually doing on a daily basis. Are they on boards, making notes, doing strategy? Are they in board meetings? Are they sitting resolving the conflict between two people? Let's say, for example, you target middle managers. You have to go and dissect, um, almost like surgery. Go and dissect every hour of their day. Go and look at what they eat and drink when they get up in the morning. When do they arrive at office? What is the food and drink of choice? What is the topical conversations in the office? What is the office wear? What is the fashion? What do they like to do for lunch? Do they spend a lot of time in the boardroom? Do they actually spend it in the cafeteria? These are all ways to make them feel that you really, really understand their universe. And this is not only something you want to use in your brand message. This is also knowledge you want to use when you actually go and see one of these clients or one of the decision makers and you want to be conversational and in your pitch, help them understand that I know your universe. I know what it feels like to go through this and this. I know what it feels like to be successful in these areas. I know what it feels like to be a failure in these areas. And people can have a real appreciation for that, but it's also going to help them trust you more. So a quick recap, if you want to walk in your customer's footprint, you have to be able to see what they see, browse what they browse, smell what they smell, go where they go, and do what they do. You want to engage as many of their senses as possible. So this brings us then to a brand conversation. And here you can go and do a test for yourself. You can literally go to your entire online 
digital footprints and you can go and check yourself out there. You can go and start here. You can see the picture here in front of you and you're welcome to screenshot that if you want to. But you can go and ask yourself with this assessment whether I'm actually appearing credible online and whether I'm appearing consistent online. So you want to have a conversation, not with a target audience, but with a specific individual that represents your target audience. So you're not going to benefit by saying, my niche market is 40-year-plus males who work in middle management. That doesn't really say much to me. What you do want to find is that a typical 40-plus-year male in middle management that I've worked with before is called Johnny. So you want to develop an entire brand conversation for Johnny. And if Johnny, as a middle manager, is not the person who make a decision on the training Johnny is going to receive, then you, you want to develop a brand conversation with the CEO who is hiring you to train a bunch of Johnnies on the topic that you deliver. So you have to be really clear with who that conversation is. You know, many people develop a brand for middle managers, but it's not the middle managers who's going to sign the check. It is the CEO or the CFO or maybe the HR director who's going to hire you and get you to train middle, middle managers. So you have to be really clear on that. And then once you know what the conversation is, and you don't want the conversation to be something very long, you know, you want the conversation to be, let me give you an example. Some of you have heard me say this before. Our, our, our target market is conscious leaders, right? And if people ask me, so what do you guys do? I mean, gosh, where do I start, right? Um, we train people, we travel, we uh, have uh, premium clients, we write books, uh, we, we do all this stuff. But if a person asks me what we do, I'm not going to share that with them because I'm going to give them a headache, right? They're going to go, Lonnie, literally, I just asked you what you do. I didn't ask you for an essay. Uh, so can you please just stop? So you don't want to treat people like that. And that becomes even more po poignant when you're online because the person's not going to spend a lot of time online in order to make a decision about your brand and the brand conversation. So you want to be really, really targeted to the point. So if a person asks me now, so what do you do for other people? I'll say, we help conscious leaders play a bigger game. Full stop, end of the story. So now I'm going to use my digital footprint checker and I'm going to check my credibility online, all my websites, all my social media, all my content, all my public image, all my PR. And I'm going to ask myself one question. Is the conversation that I'm sending to a conscious leader, such as Brenda James, for example, is that brand conversation consistently repeating to her that we're helping playing conscious leaders play a bigger game. All your websites, all your social media, everything has to have the same message. We're not even touching on corporate identity and color yet. I'm talking about a conversation. Do they look at your copy? Do they look at the, whole, the website? Do they look at the whole field and, and say to themselves, wow, I'm a conscious leader. And obviously the people here are speaking to conscious leaders who want to play a bigger game. Wow, it feels to me like I've arrived home. Because what do you know? I'm a conscious leader who want to play a bigger game. If your digital footprint is not doing that, then you're not reaching that audience. It doesn't have to be bad news. It means it's something you can easily go and rectify. I know it takes time, 
but there's easy decisions you can make around that and then either implement it yourself or get someone else to implement it. So ultimately, a proper functioning digital footprint or digital footprint checker that communicates your corporate identity well will mean that people will look at you online and talk about you a lot offline. That would be one of the ways that you would sort of go and assess whether you are sending the right message. And so when you go to events or you meet people socially or you have an audience in front of you, you will have them saying things like, oh, I see you've just traveled there. Or, oh, I see your new book came out. And wow, I really love your assessment on your website. And that means that your online universe is no longer a showroom, it's actually turned now into a brand conversation where other people are talking about you. This brings me to the packaging menu, and this is a real big headache for a lot of you, I know, and I'm hoping to give you some clarity on this today. It's the simplest thing that keeps the most people away, most of, awake at night. You know, when you talk about entrepreneurship and you talk about leadership, people always think it's the complex problems that keep people awake at night. It's sometimes the simplest, simplest things like, am I eating right? You know, so that's the type of stuff that keeps people awake, you know. Um, what should be the colors in my business? really keep people awake at night what should I wear to this event the next day and what will people think of me those are the things that really stay top of mind and I tell you color is a big thing so I cannot talk about your brand and you packaging yourself and your business and creating an online universe with a brand conversation without talking about color so we have this packaging menu which I'll show to you now but again you cannot even touch on the color conversation if you do not understand your target audience very, very well. So here we have a niche assessment. I'm just going to get out of the screenshot a little bit because I'm moving you all to the other side so I can see it myself. But here we have a niche assessment and that has five levels in this assessment. And this assessment helps you before you go into color to do sort of a final check on whether you really know who you're speaking to. So for example, what I've done in this assessment, it has five columns. These five columns give you five questions in terms of your target market and more specifically your ideal buyer. You have to ask yourself these five questions. Who are they? Where are they? Why will they buy? How will you help them? And when is the best time to get their attention? I'm going to repeat that. Who are they? Where are they hiding? Probably a better thing to say. Why will they buy from me and not from someone else? How can you help them? And where is the best time to grab their attention? So you can make this very, very practical. When you ask yourself, who are they? Make use of job titles. So many people avoid job titles when they niche their target market because they've been in corporate and they're sick of corporate, and somehow it's made them moved away from using titles, but titles have a lot of value in them. For example, if you know that what you're looking at is has a job title called, called auditor, you already have a very, very valuable golden nugget in the palm of your hand, because now you know you're going to start a brand conversation with auditors. Note, not the CEOs, it's a different type of person than an auditor. You're not speaking to founders. You're not speaking to travelers. You're not speaking to house bunnies. You're not speaking to moms. 
you are speaking to auditors. The title there is very, very important because now that you know that you speak to auditors, you know that you can probably find out where they hang out. Auditors hang out at associations, professional associations. They do not always hang out in the gym. They may. They do not always hang out in hotels. They may. But you know for sure that auditors hang out at associations. Why will they buy from you? Mm, you are targeting a traveling auditor. So this auditor is a person who wants to learn, but they're traveling at the same time. So how can you help them? The fourth column, you're not going to give them a mobile app because many auditors probably would not be turned on by a mobile app. They'll probably rather want a membership where they can actually go and find the templates that they need for their auditing firm or a membership that gives them the latest information on auditing or financial legislation. And then when is the best time to find them? Mm. Look, I'm working with auditors. These people belong to associations. They travel a lot. They want a membership. They want their own time. They're really busy. They're not going to pay attention to my brand conversation from eight to five. So I probably want to find them after hours. So let's look at the country we're targeting. Let's look at when is after hours for the United States of America, if that's the auditors you're targeting, and Bob's your uncle. It's not going to help you here to listen to bloggers who specialize in social media who tell you the best time to post in the day is 2 o'clock p.m. Can you see how that's not relevant to the audience that you're targeting and the brand conversation that you want to actually ignite? So it all brings us back again to who is this person that you want to help? Now that you know that, you can go to the color conversation. Now you can say, okay, I know specifically who I'm working with. And because I specifically know who I'm working with, I know which colors to package my digital footprint or my online universe or my corporate identity in. And here's your packaging menu. Do not worry too much about the detail in this menu. I'll more talk you through that. If you want to take a screenshot of this or you want to take a photo of it, you're very, very welcome. But for the purposes of the next few minutes, as I explain it, rather try and focus on the overarching message here so you do not drown in the detail. Now, at the end of the day, you have to understand exactly what is the overarching description of the people that you're targeting. Use this packaging menu as an assessment. And the first thing that you want to assess is one, two, three, four, five, six things. The first thing that you ask yourself is, am I working with professional people or not? That's simple. Use this packaging menu and say yes or no. If you're not working with professional people, your colors is going to look quite different than whether you're working with professional people. So I think that's the first consideration. The second question you have to ask yourself is, am I working with a premium market? When you work with a premium market, you can probably go and split it into two levels. You're either going to go into a more corporate premium market, and that will also include the leadership part on the right. That's the one side. But you can also be in a celebrity leadership market where leadership comes across as well. So do not pay too much attention here to the packaging menu. Ask yourself first, am I dealing with professional people or not? Number two, am I working with a premium market? Yes or no? Am I working with a premium corporate market? Or am I working with a premium celebrity market? It's two very different markets. Next question. Am I working with a creative market or a not creative market? 
If you're dealing with auditors, you're probably not dealing with uh, uh, creative people in terms of color. Um, you are dealing with creative people, maybe in terms of problem solving. So I'm definitely not saying it to uh, offend, and I'm generalizing. You would get auditors out there who's super creative, uh, creative and speakers and all things, but it's the, the exception on the rule. So then you ask yourself, am I working with a green market? Am I working with people who's into conservation, who's into environmental affairs? Um, am I working with nonprofit organizations? And then lastly, you want to ask yourself, am I working with family? In other words, am I targeting parents? Am I targeting moms? Am I targeting dads? Am I targeting kids? That's a whole different market again. So now when you look at the menu here, the packaging menu, you can see when you move back now to the professional market, if you're dealing with a professional market, you're probably going to really go with your, corp your, your, your typical corporate type of entrepreneurial middle management specialist expert color so you want to play it safe there you're probably going to stick with your whites your blues in those markets work very well still your grays and orange is especially popular in those markets orange being the color of out of the box thinking orange being the color of uh, that a lot of corporates at some stage started to employ um so, so you're probably going to go for those colors, white, blue, gray, orange. Of course, you can deviate from that. I'm giving you a palette 101, right? So I'm just giving you the start of it so that you can apply your mind. Now you're moving to the premium market. When I say premium market, market I include corporate here again. So why do I do that? Because when you work with the premium market, market in corporates, you're probably working with a director, a chairman, a CEO, someone who's in their top level. If you do not work with those people who's at top, top, top level, if you, for example, work with an HR manager, then get out of the premium market, move back to the professional market. So a professional market will not be turned on by your premium colors. They'll go you are braggy, you are over the top, you are too expensive, blah, blah, blah. So you want to go back to your professional market. But if you work with the premium, premium market in corporate, corporate, which lots of you are working with, you're having a conversation with the CEO, with the director, with the executives. These people are used to the metallic colors and they're used to the metallic colors because they earn more than other people. And when you earn more than other people, you have private bankers and you have private banking packages which means your credit card is usually black metallic silver or metallic gold so it's going to be difficult for those people to think you have quality if your website is white and blue you have to have for corporate a little bit of silver in there if you lean in the premium market more towards celebrity you're probably going to go more for the gold colors if you lean for more cut and dry and steel corporate, you're probably going to lean more towards the metallic silver colors. Now, if you go, mm, this is a little bit of a difficult one because I'm not really a cold steel person and you want to play with different shades of gold in the corporate market. I've seen that work very well as well. But again, it depends on your specific target market. And how do you make sure of it? At a later stage, when we conclude this module three, I'm going to have a session with you on focus groups. And in there, we're going to talk about 
how you can take your initial corporate identity, packaging, and brand conversation to a focus group and ask the people in the focus group, are you leaning more towards a little bit of silver I have in my blueprints and message, or are you leaning more towards, towards the gold, or are you not liking that at all? Uh, dangerous if you have the wrong people from your target market in that group. So you have to be very careful of who you ask these questions. You want to ask it of the people who's going to sign your check, who's going to buy from you. Now you move more towards the creative market. Yeah, you're dealing with people like startups, marketers, sales teams, designers, travelers. Look at the Google colors. Google is typical different colors because they're targeting this market. This is the market which they originally developed their search engine for. And that's why you see every single letter of Google in different colors. But now you get a consultant and a consultant look at the Google colors. And I think that's going to be the best way to approach a corporate. You're probably going to look a little bit like a clown to the corporate and the corporate is not going to want to do business with you because it's too much over the show. So you have to, you have to uh, consider those things as well. Then you see a green market. You know, if you're targeting uh, environmentalists or let's say you have a consulting package that helps corporates with their CO2 emissions, you want to make sure that when they visit your digital footprint, they see the green in there. They see the well-being colors. They see that you are standing for the environment. Otherwise, you're not going to stand out above the rest and it's going to cause brand confusion. And then again, family. I mean, if you're targeting family businesses, especially kids and parents, just go to the supermarket and look at the cereal boxes. And you'll see it's very animated, very creative. It is developed like that so that your child comes to you and say, mommy, 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 daddy, daddy, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. Because the marketing is actually appealing to them. The colors is appealing to them. If you put a cereal box there in the supermarket and it's black with a silver code on it, they're probably not going to want to eat it. It's going to bore them and they're not going to want it. So the same apply when you target these uh, family and kid markets. You have to make it colorful and you have to make it exciting. A way to help you with your brand message and your corporate identity when you package yourself is to come up with three keywords that describe exactly what is the message that you want to reach people. We've been seeing these three keywords all over the world. And uh, it's interesting for us that there's definitely a trend developing around this. I think with all the noise out there, more and more people are struggling to distinguish themselves as a brand. And because they do not always online have the opportunity to have that initial conversation, they have the name of their brand, in our case, Circle of Excellence, and then the brand in terms of what is it going to do for you is described with the help of three words. Ours is prosperity, freedom, purpose. We repeat these keywords over and over and over in our brand message. So you want to go back to your digital footprint as you can see there, prosperity, freedom, and purpose. You want to go back to your digital footprint um, and you want to actually make sure that these keywords consistently repeat across your footprint. So prosperity for us is when we send a brand message to a conscious leader who want to play a bigger game is that you want to be prosperous. That's what we help people with, to be more prosperous. We don't help them necessarily with making more profit. That's only one of it. Prosper prosperity for us means you make profit plus, 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 plus. You make a profit plus the people in your life benefit from that. Uh, everything you touch sort of turns into gold like Midas. That's prosperity for us. That is what we say. If, if you come into our universe, 
whether that is reading a book of ours, whether that is listening to our global intelligence updates, whether it is attending our business school, whether it's becoming one of our premium clients, whether it's coming to a platinum mastermind, I can go on and on and on. The mission there, the brand conversation, it is to make you more prosperous. It's as clear as daylight. The second thing is we promise more freedom, freedom to do what you want, when you want, with who you want. And so we attract the audience with this brand message who feel very, very strong about the word freedom. And then third and foremost, we talk about purpose. Most of these conscious leaders, all of them, in fact, that uh, want to play a bigger game, do it not only because they want to be prosperous and have more freedom, but they have a purpose, they have a mission. They get out of bed in the morning for a reason. They want to go out there and spread a message. Yeah. Uh, they feel they have a calling. They want to achieve something. There's something in the world they want to be better. There's something in themselves they want to be better. And so they have purpose. There's something that motivates them to get out of bed. Now, these three words uh, needs to be communicated over and over and over again when you go to your digital footprint. And that brings me here to the fifth one, which is brand consistency. You know, sometimes we do look for very complex answers to incredible, sim that, that, that is very simple solution, very simple solution. It's somehow in our mind psychologically, we sometimes think in order for it to really work, it has to be this rocket science formula, right? But one of those absolutely understated formulas and words that people look over again, over and over and over again, which is funny because of the solution, is consistency. Most of the time you'll achieve a success, not because you're the smartest, not because you have access to the best information, not because you've surrounded yourself with the five most people that we always, all those things have immense value, don't get me wrong, but the people who get to the top are the people who consistently put one foot in front of the other regardless of how they feel and the challenges that they face. They do the same thing over and over and over again. That is how you learned to be a human being. That's how you learned everything you've learned up until today. Anything that you're skilled in, you learned with repetition and consistency. So if you get clear on your brand message, I can take you back to your digital footprint and then you can go and consistently apply your brand message and your packaging across your digital footprinter, a footprint checker, and you will send the message through successfully and you will attract the right people. So if you're clear on your message, which in the beginning I said to you for us is helping conscious leaders play a bigger game. That's the first level of my message. The second level of my message is to use colors that emphasize that message and visuals that emphasize that message because I've walked in their footprint. And number three, I've chosen three keywords that's going to constantly bring that message across. And then I use it consistently across the board on my digital footprint. You will reach the right target audience. I'm only talking online here. If you're going to do it consistently offline, you'll be 10 times more successful, 10 times faster. And that's one of the biggest reasons that we travel because we have this online universe where we actually talk about conscious leaders and playing a bigger game and we post things there and we have the colors that we repeat consistently and we do all of that. But for us to travel and speak 
and attend events where we meet people in person and we repeat this message over and over again, face to face, and we use those keywords, has a 10 times better spin-off and effect. So it's your choice how you're going to do it. This doesn't mean you have to travel internationally like us. This doesn't mean you have to spend copious amounts of money to do that. You may want to apply that strategy in your local community or in your local pond. That may be country-specific. It may be city-specific. In fact, in my experience, the quickest to establish a brand conversation and a brand message for yourself, if you especially want to up your profitability, is to focus on one city and consistently apply the same brand message online and offline in the same city over and over and over again. The problem with international business is you get diluted very quickly because you have to repeat the same thing in every city over and over again. Whereas if you choose Auckland or you choose Johannesburg or you choose Canterbury or you choose a city like New York or you choose, um, you know, Washington or, uh, you know, Hong Kong or China or Singapore or wherever and you, you, you apply all these principles offline and online in there, you're going to have huge success very, very quickly. So make sure you touch on all these areas in the digital footprint checker, your credibility, go to all your websites, all your social media, all your content, your public image, and ask yourself, am I consistently applying the same message, the same colors, the same biography, the same message, the same three keywords, over and over again. I'm sorry, it's a little bit boring. People always want these rocket science answers, um, but I'm here to remind you that it's really doable. Um, I don't want to give you something where you go, oh, it's going to take forever and it's not doable and everyone's smarter than me. That's really not true. I cannot tell you how many people um, we've come across that really is not the biggest geniuses on this planet has reached the very, very, very top of the, the, the mountain and has retired way before anyone else and is basking in their money because of the ability to in a very boring way and consistently repeat the same thing over and over and over again so this brings me to your recommended activities i always love to give recommended activities because you may be a bit overwhelmed after something like this and goes on what do i actually have to go and do now the first thing is to go and spend a full day with a few of your ideal customers and observe what they observe be very careful to not go and spend a full day with three people. It has to be three of your ideal buyers. I've seen people go way wrong by taking feedback and getting input from people who's not in their target market. That's a very, very dangerous thing to do. So, you know, you have to have the most well-intended people in your industry, but they're not in your target market. You want to spend a full day or interview people in your target market. I'm recommending here uh, a few I want actually 100. If you can do 100, you're going to be a very, very wealthy and successful person. And I'm not asking that you do it a thousand times. I'm asking you that you do it once. And if you have to repeat that in the next three years or so, uh, do it again. But that's going to give you incredible insight and incredible intelligence. And then number two, study this packaging menu and identify a few keywords. So make sure you look at the color that you want. And if that color is sending the, the, the right brand conversation, and then go find those three keywords that summarizes your brand uh, conversation, because that will uh, help you to attract target audience uh, that identifies your brand. 
Evidence of accomplishment that we usually see that people are getting this really right is clear and concise keywords. And there's the word clarity again, clear and concise keywords that help your ideal customers trust and identify with your brand. And if you can get them to start repeating those keywords, then you know you're on the right track. And then a consistent brand message that elicits a positive reaction from your ideal customers and express in the packaging of all your products and services. So the same corporate identity across the board. With that, I'm going to stop my screenshot now. And uh, I want to ask you if there's any questions that you have at this stage so I can provide you with some more clarity. Any questions are welcome. We still have a good 12 minutes left. And uh, remember, if you ask a question and uh, there comes an answer from that, it helps your, your colleagues here and your friends here to um, get an answer to a question they have, may, they have may have as well. So please, any questions? Lonnie, thank you for sharing so much information. We actually have a question from Dr. Kate asking, um, if, what if you're working with an overlap of markets, for example, environmentally minded corporate CEOs, would that be mostly, say, black with a splash of green? Yes, um, I love the way you think, Kate. Um, so I would, I would break it down for you. So I would start with uh, more the wider vision, which is I am working with corporates. So the moment you work with corporates, you want authority, so you want black. Some corporates do resonate with white, um, but I find the black gives a lot of authority and sometimes a combination of black and white. So it's almost like when you go into fashion, they talk about uh, basic pieces and then you layer it. You have your basic outfit and then you have your uh, layer be below that or above that. And then you have your statement piece. So you want to layer this as well. So the first question is, am I working with corporate or not? Yes, I am. Do I need authority because of that? Yes. What, what's going to give me authority, black or dark charcoal? So that's number one. Number two, am I working with corporates that's in the celebrity space or am I working with corporates that's quite professional? Um, that's your second question. If the answer is, look, it's quite corporate and it's quite professional. For example, if I was going to consult tomorrow, I'll immediately go to the metallic silver. I wouldn't, I wouldn't play around with the golds. I don't really in corporate want to attract those people. If I'm looking for a premium client, like a Circle of Excellence member, I'll play with the golds. Um, but if I'm attracting a CEO, I'm going to straight go for the metallic silver. So that's the second layer that you put on top of that. But now because you're even niching deeper and you're looking for an environmentally aware type of corporate, absolutely that splash of green, green needs to come in. So you totally gave yourself the right answer. Thanks, Landy. You're well, like always, guys. You're welcome. <laughs> Landy? Yes, Sorry. Um, and would you ever um, have like a, um, a, de a deck that would just be branded with a different color for um, a different market? So, for example, you may be consulting to, to the corporate market primarily, but you've also got a startup product or a startup. You, you would consult to say startups. Would, you, would that cause like confusion or is it, would you tailor it on a customer, on a customer by customer basis or not? That for me would be two completely different corporate identities, two completely different corporate identities. Now, when I say two different corporate identities, both corporate identities can still sit under, under the same umbrella. So I'm going to give you a classic example of that when it comes to branding. So um, I'm actually going to see if I have the example in my downloads because I want to make it 